Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, I, uh, I'm sure glad that I cut my hair because Pastor told me I couldn't preach until I did. So uh, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He didn't say that at all. I, uh, I, I <laughs> he did have longer hair. If you haven't seen pictures, Pastor had longer hair than I am. But listen, I give it hands down to you ladies. I don't know how you do it. Hair in Oklahoma is just not worth it. So I don't have to have it, so I cut it all off. It's much easier in the wind. It doesn't get in my face. It doesn't get in my mouth. It doesn't, I mean, it's just better. And so that's, uh, that's, what, that's what I'm glad about. But just a little, little, little humor this morning, but... I do want to tell you this morning that um, about three or four months ago when Pastor Steve and I first got together and we started talking about this sermon series called House, I told him before we planned it out, before he told me what he wanted to preach, I told him I wanted to preach a sermon about what we're going to talk about today because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. It's something that I think we have forgotten as a church. I think it's something that we have left behind, and I believe because we have left behind, left it behind, our church is not where it should be. I believe it's something that we have to have in order to grow. And um, I've been excited about it, a little nervous about it. I hope you still love me because I am going to preach tough. Is it okay if I preach tough? The Lord woke me up about 6 o'clock this morning. I did not want to wake up at 6 o'clock this morning, but he woke me up and he just began to stir me this morning. And he put a fire in me. And I feel like it's, you know, in the Bible it says it's a fire shut up in my bones. So if I get a little excited, if I jump up and down, will you just amen me and deal with me for just one morning? Is that all right? So I want to start off. Pastor Steve just told you what he talked about. He talked about the authority figures. He talked about God's word and your conscience. And um, today what I want to talk to you about is delegated authority. Okay. You guys ain't throwing stuff yet. That's good. Listen, Psalms 127 verse 1 says this, and this is just a little recap. Pastor Steve read this, but listen to it. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. The same scripture in a different version said, if God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of having a shack. I don't want to have a shack. I want it to be like, like Pastor Steve said. I want this to be a palace. I don't want it to be a shack. But the problem is when I look across America, when I look a lot at a lot, of a, church, a lot of the churches that I've been to, you know what they are? They're shacks. They're not palaces. They're shacks. They're where groups of people get together and they hang out and they converse with each other and they encourage each other that it's okay to sin and it's okay to do what you want to and it's okay to, to live your life however you want to and it's just fellowship in that way. Listen, that is not a house. That is a shack. And we are not going to be that. Amen? I'm not going to let you be that. I'm going to preach to you today. I'm going to make you realize something today that we will not be a shack. You want me to clue you in? We haven't been a shack. Since the very beginning, we have been set up correctly. Listen, this is the, this is the truth. There's youth pastors positions anywhere. Everybody is looking for a youth pastor. It doesn't matter if you're good. It doesn't matter if you're bad. I went to school for it. I have a degree. I could have gone most places where I wanted to go. But I came here 
because I believed in this church. And I believe that you're sitting in these chairs because you believe in the same thing. And so we started from the very beginning not having a shack. We started with a house. But listen, this is the, this is the scenario. Most places start as a palace and end up as a shack. People get together and the congregation, no matter what the pastor does, no matter what the leadership team does, the people make it a shack. And so that's why we're talking about this sermon series, House, because we want to be a house of God. Amen? And so this morning, I want to just talk to you just a little bit about delegated authority. I believe that there are people that are set up in our life to be an authority in our life. Not that we choose those people, but there are people that are set up in place to be an authority. If you don't believe me, drive down Northwest Expressway at 95 miles an hour when you're 18 years old and watch six cops come behind you. There's authority in your life, and it's placed there. Let me just read Romans 13.1. See, I can tell you things, but if I read it to you out of here, you know what? You can't argue with me. So Romans 13 and verse 1 says this, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. No questions, no comments. The authorities have been placed there by God. So the authorities that you have in your life are there for a reason. They have a purpose. Do we always like it? No. But they have a purpose. See, but there's a problem with leaders. I think the biggest problem that we have with leaders, with delegated authority, that God has given authority to, the biggest problem we have is we don't trust them. We don't trust them and almost, almost would I say that you have the right not to. You know why? Because we've seen them fall. We've seen them flunder. We've watched pastors sleep around with every person in the whole city. We've watched all kinds of people embezzle money. We've watched them take and abuse the authority that God has given them. And so, therefore, when we see those things and we've watched it modeled in our life, we don't trust them. We question everybody that's in authority. We think that they're, gonna, that they're bad, that they're a joke, that they can do whatever they want to, and we don't trust them. We don't trust the government authorities. We don't trust politicians. We don't trust, we don't trust the state authorities. And listen, we certainly don't trust pastors. In America, we do not trust pastors. We have seen it all, like I said. We have watched it all, and we don't trust them. We most of the time won't even give them the time of day. Yeah, we come to their church, and we amen them, but we don't trust them. We always looking at them with that eye. You got in that eye? I got that eye a lot. It was my mama. She always had eyes in the back of her head. She had them on the side of her head. She had them in the ceiling fans, in the bathroom. It did not matter where I was at. My mama knew. But a lot of the times, that's the eye we give the pastors. We look at them and go, okay, that's good, but what are you going to do? Okay, yeah, that's good, but what are you going to do? We don't, we in America, we don't trust them. We don't say, listen, we give you the authority in our life. And that's what we have to do. But the problem that we don't trust them brings us to, a, brings us to this problem.
when we don't trust the pastor, the house is just a shack. It will never be more than a shack. If you don't trust them, if you don't respect them, it will only be a shack. See, remember, since the beginning of time, since God created time, since God created everything, God has always dwelt in one place, and it's the place that he has built, that he designed, that he intricately designed. You remember the temple? You remember the Ark of the Covenant? He didn't just go, hey, go build a temple, and I'm going to go there. No, he said, go build it and make it this long by this wide made out of this wood with this on it and tar this and do that and do all of this. Intricately designed. And when it was designed that way, God came in and dwelt there. He visited other places, but he dwelt in the places that he designed. That's the same way it is in this place. We're a body and God designed this body. And when we do when we function the way he designs it, he comes and lives here. But when he doesn't, when we don't, he will never come. He may visit. We may have a great visitation. I remember back, I mean, I know I was young, but I remember in the, in the late 90s, everybody prayed for a visitation of God. I know the 90s wasn't far along for you guys, but it seems like an eternity for me. Half of my life was... A half of my life ago was in the 90s. But I remember pastors getting up and praying that prayer. God, I want a visitation in the place. Listen, I don't want a visitation. I want him to come and live here. I want him to dwell in this place. I want any time that we get together, I want him to be in this place. I want his power to be shown. And in order for that to happen, guess what? We have to function the way he designed not the way we designed, not the way that we feel comfortable, not the way that we like it, the way that he designed it. That's how we have to live. You see, because we have these fears of leaders and we don't trust them and we don't respect them, what we have done in most churches is we've created a system of checks and balances. Listen to me. I'm going to say it, and it's hard, but I want you to hear it. We have created a system of checks and balances that has neutered the church. We have, rend we have rendered it powerless. It has no power because we don't function this way. Because so-and-so has to report to so-and-so, and they have to report to these people. And these people elect these people, and these people elect these people. Therefore, I can't do what God wants me to do. I have to do what he wants me to do. I have to do what they want me to do. I have to do what the parents want me to do. No, that's not the way God set it up. I'm not here to please you. Pastor Steve is not here to please you. The leaders that God has placed in your life are not here to please you. They're here to please God. And we have to live our life that way or we will have no power. We have designed a church without a leader. There is a physical body there, but we have designed a church without a leader, and therefore it is powerless. There is no power in the church. You look all across the world and you see all of these phenomenal revivals you see all of these workings these miraculous signs and you know where they're not here they're elsewhere you know why they're elsewhere because elsewhere understands authority listen preachers will tell you this they can leave this country and get 10 times the respect they get in this country 
When I did my internship, I had, the, I had the privilege to go to six different places outside of the U.S. And you know what? Every place I went, even though I was only 22 years old, but I had a calling on my life, they respected me more than people here in America did. They honor authority. And therefore, they function that way. And God lives there. And God moves there. And stays there. And that's the place. That's why we're preaching this house sermon. Because we are going to be there forever. We are going to function in this way forever. If you don't like it, you can go. That's tough. That's hard. But it's true. It's reality. We have created a structure in the church that God cannot and will not live. He will not live in the places we have created. We have to let him create it. We have to follow the way that he said for us to do it. See, this is the true problem with leaders. Listen, I'm almost done with my introduction. Say amen. We don't start the next service for an hour and 10 minutes, so we're good. I got plenty of time. But this is the truth right here. We don't trust God to deal with leaders. We just think that as a leader, we watch them do so many things. We just think they get away with it. Let me read you some scripture because the scripture does not back that up. Luke 12 and verse 48 states, to whom much is given, much is required. James 3 and verse 1 states, not many of you should presume to be teachers because we know Because we who teach are judged more strictly. Ephesians 4 and verse 1 states, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Does any of that say that when you become a leader, you just can get away with everything? No. What that says is when you become a leader, you're judged more strictly than before. So what that means is we've got to allow God to deal with the leaders. It's not my job to point out everything that they do wrong. It's not my job to spy on the leaders that are in my life and make sure that they're living right. It's my job to submit to those leaders and then trust that God will take care of them. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've had God whoop my hiney. Has he done it to you? My mom has spanked me. My dad has spanked me. My stepdad has spanked me. My principal has spanked me. But let me tell you something. When God gets a hold of you, you will wish that all of them were spanking you besides God. Because God ain't playing around. And the reality is, is that if he does that with us, think about what he does to the leaders. The leaders that are placed in our life, he will wear them out. They don't get by with anything. As a matter of fact, they're judged more strictly. They have to live to a higher calling, a higher standard. So what's our fear? Why are we afraid that they're not going to do what they're supposed to? Why do we give them that eye like, that's a good sermon, but what are you doing at night? That should relieve all your fear. You should have no fear. Because God is going to deal with the leaders. Can you say amen? We have to learn to trust and respect the leaders that are in our life. We have to trust that God will take care of them and God will hold them accountable. 
Now listen, I am not saying that you just stick a leader up there and you just leave them. And you just have to do everything that they say. There are some things set in place that are good. But what we have done in the church in America, I don't know about you, but in my church that I grew up in, there was a deacon board. And the deacon board was elected by who? The people. And then there was a pastor. And who elected the pastor? The deacon board. So therefore, the pastor had to do whatever the deacon board wanted to do, or the deacon board was going to fire the pastor. But the deacon board had to do whatever the people wanted to do, or the, or the deacon board was going to get fired. How does that make sense? That's what I'm talking about. We have leaders in the pulpit, but they're not allowed to lead. They go into their prayer closet. They go into their quiet time with God. They spend time with God. God puts something on the inside of them, and then they come and they can't share it because they're going to make sister so-and-so upset. Listen, I don't care if I make sister so-and-so upset. I don't care if I make you all upset. I'm going to preach, and pastor's going to preach what God has laid in his heart. Is that all right? Thank you for that, by the way. It makes me feel encouraged. Makes me, makes me smile. Actually, my big teeth make me smile, but that's all right. It's true. I mean, I can't even close my mouth. I'm not supposed to laugh at that. Y'all are supposed to laugh at that, and I'm supposed to look at my notes and catch where I'm at. All right, listen, honest to God, that's my introduction. I'm done. Are you ready for me to preach? This is what I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach what the purpose of the pastor is. The pastors in our life have a purpose. And guess what? Our pastor does it. I didn't write this sermon thinking about Pastor Steve, I wrote this sermon thinking, what does the Bible say that pastors are supposed to do? And then I looked at Pastor Steve and I said, that's why I'm here. That's why I serve here. That's why I go to church here. But the number one purpose, the first purpose of pastors is to provide vision. And I alliterated, aren't you happy? Pastor Steve is super happy. His dad, when he hears it, is going to be super pleased. I didn't even mean to. It was an accident. But they provide vision. Let me read some scripture for you because you believe it a lot more than you believe me. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Another version says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Let me read Mark 3, 24 through 25 says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. The pastor provides the vision. The pastor gets up. He spends time with God. God gives him a vision, and we carry out that vision. You know what makes a house divided? Division. Multiple visions. You know what, when we hear that, you know, most of the time we think, oh, you can't have any bad visions. Listen, there are a lot of churches that have two visions and they're trying to go in two different places. They're both good things. Hear me. They are both what God wants, but they're in one house. So half the church is going here and half the church is going here. Is that efficient? No, a house divided cannot stand. It doesn't mean that you have to want good things. It means that you literally have to submit to the vision of the person that you're going. Wherever you go to church, which is passion, 
You have to agree with the vision. You have to line yourself up with that vision. Does that mean that the vision that God has given you, you can't carry out? No. It means that the vision God has carried you, you submit it to that vision and you work it out in a manner that is okay, that is appropriate. A lot of the times, what I've seen is it's pride. You come to a church, this is free by the way, it's in in my notes. You come to a church and you think your vision is better than the pastor's. You don't think that the pastor has enough vision. You don't think that the pastor has enough anointing on his life to do what God's calling you to do. Get over yourself. You ain't that important, and neither am I. But God has given you a great vision. But I believe, I believe that you can come to a house and carry out your vision that God's placed on your life, and you can submit it to the vision that's in the house, and it can still work. It might have to be tweaked just a little bit. It might have to go a little bit different route. It might have to do something a little bit differently, but is it worth being a house and not a shack? Yes. I want to go back to that scripture, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The literal version of that means unglued. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I was getting in a fight, somebody was coming at me, I'd be like, dude, don't mess with me. I will come unglued on you. Okay, there's stuff holding me together right now that's getting ready to come off. That's not the type of unglued we're talking about. What it means is that the glue that holds things together, when it's gone, what happens? It just falls. Where there is no vision or where there is multiple visions. Can I give you the Woody version? Where there is multiple visions, the same thing happens. Where you're trying to carry out something different than the pastor and you're going that away and not this away, you come unglued. We come unglued. Therefore, we are not a house. Therefore, God will not be here. Therefore, we are not blessed. Do you understand? He provides the vision for us. Listen, if you've hung out with Pastor Steve long enough, I hope you understand he has a big vision. Big. It ain't this puny something. It ain't this, oh, we want to grow our service. We, we want to give some money to the poor. It ain't that. It's a vision. And if you've hung out with him long enough, you'll see that he hung out with God. He spent time with God to get that vision. It's a big vision. It's much bigger probably than what you think. The reality is this. We're a church. How old are we, pastor? Two years and two years. A little over two years maybe. And people look at us. People ask me. Where are you youth pastor at? Oh, at Passion Church. Oh, okay. That's that, uh, yeah. They're like, how long have you been there? We're like, I'm like two years. They go, oh, okay. Well, how many people do you run? Um, about 200. 200? People are blown away by that. 
People are blown away at the size. But listen, do you think Pastor Steve gets up and goes, man, look at this. No, no, no. And it's not that he doesn't care about you, but he has a big vision for this place. A vision that 200 people ain't going to cut it. We can't accomplish the vision with just 200 people. We are going to have to bust out of this place. You guys are going somewhere else. This is going to be my building for the youth group. I'm going to own it all. The children's church area, listen, I've already thought about it. The children's church area is going to be the game room. Come on now. Can you see it? It's going to be a game room. You can walk in there. There'll be pool tables and ping pong tables and those little basketballs and all kinds of arcade games. And then we're going to have this sanctuary and there's going to be graffiti all over the walls. Come on now. It's going to be my youth room because y'all are going somewhere else because you can't fit in this place. Can you see the vision of the house? It's a big vision. I've served, I've went to churches where there is no vision, and the people are unglued, and the people are perishing, but that ain't this place. Can you say amen? He provides vision. The second thing, the second purpose of the pastor is his job is to push you. His job is to get behind you and push you to greatness. Most of the time, pushing is done by leading. If you haven't ever caught on to that, pastor leads us somewhere else, and that pushes us to greatness. See, there's two parts to this. And listen, I have, to, I, have to, I have to just tell you right now, I had these in a different order, and I had to tell Pastor Steve, and I had to tell Angie, we got to switch this order up because this one's the hard one. The vision is all good, and it's happy, and we love vision. And the next one, you're really going to like this one. You're probably not going to like so much. So I stuck it in the middle. I had it in the end, but I'm going to stick it in the middle because I'm going to love you, I'm going to beat you, and then I'm going to love you. And that's how my mama did it. Look how I turned out. Come on now. But there's two parts to this. One part, we like it, and we want it, and we get mad if we don't get it. And the other part, we hate it, and we don't want it, ever. The first part is, oh, we love the encouragement of the pastor. We love when Pastor Steve gets up and encourages us, and that's his job. That helps push us. But how many of you know sometimes encouragement just ain't quite enough? I'm telling on myself, I've got a thick skull. Sometimes you want me to do something, you can't just encourage me. The pastor will go and go, man, you're really good at this. I think you might want to serve there. Nah. Nah. I don't like that. So therefore, when that happens, the second that we don't like has to happen, and that's discipline. Let me read Hebrews 12 and 11. I didn't say it. God did. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Everybody say amen. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, discipline is in place to train us to raise up a harvest of righteousness and peace. That is the purpose of discipline. But it says no discipline, not some discipline or part of the discipline. It says no discipline seems pleasant at the time. We don't like it. We don't enjoy it. There's no good part about it. But the, but the reality is, is that it's necessary. 
We have to have discipline. Pastor Steve and I talked about, and when we would listen to this sermon, I, I think it was Ron, that, uh, Ron Jr., Ron Carpenter Jr., I believe it's him that says this. He goes, how come every other leadership can give short sentences on what to do, but we've got to kind of beat around the bush because we don't want to offend somebody? How come we have lost the fact of when the pastor says, shut that door, somebody runs and shuts the door? Why does the pastor have to say, hey, listen, they're a little loud out there. Could somebody in the back please just shut that door? Why do we have to beat around the bush? And I know that's a crazy, silly example, but bring it into your life. How many times does a pastor sit down with you and talk to you and he has to beat around the bush to get you to do what he wants you to do because he don't want you to leave the church? Why don't you grow some skin, make your skin thick so the pastor can say, Doug, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. And you say, yes, sir, whatever you want. But no, see, the pastor's just there to preach to us. I do what I want to do. Your house just became a shack. His job is to push you. His job is to discipline you. His job is sometimes to tell you what you need to do and what you ought to do. Not give us suggestions. Not say, hey, listen, Tari, if it's all right with you, my man, I really would like you to do this. No, Tari, do this. And he does it. I'm preaching hard for Americans right now, but it's good stuff. And if we will listen to it, our house will continue to be a house. And if we fall away from it, our house will become a shack. No matter what Pastor Steve does, our house will become a shack. We have to be the people that says, listen, Pastor, we're behind you 110%. We are backing you. Whatever you tell me to do, whatever you ask me to do, that's what I'm there for. Because I trust you. Because I respect you. That's good stuff. You know why I volunteered to preach this sermon? Pastor Steve wouldn't say it like that. He might say it a little firmer, but he ain't going to say it like I'm going to say it. Because I'm going to tell you how the cow ate the cabbage, and you're going to like it. And you're going to smile at me. And you're going to love me. You're going to tell me I did a good job when I get out there. But his job is to push us. It's encouragement, but it's discipline. He disciplines us when he watches you fall out of line. When you used to worship like this, and then all of a sudden you're worshiping like this. It's his job to come and say, what's wrong, Tari? Why aren't you praising like you're supposed to? Why aren't you doing what you normally do? What's wrong with you, Tari? It's his job. Then when you say, well, it's because I've been doing this. What you been doing that for? Don't do that. That's stupid. But no, we got to pat him on the back and say, oh, it's okay, sweetheart. You didn't mean to. Didn't mean to? All right, come on. I'm preaching a lot better than you shouting, but it's good. His job is to push us. It's encouragement and it's discipline. Number three, last point, everybody say amen. But I still got a closing part, so don't get too excited. The third area, the third purpose of the pastor is to protect you. See, I knew you guys would like it. That's why I saved it for last. John 10, 11 through 13 says this. I am the good shepherd. Let me premise it by this. 
The pastor is supposed to be the shepherd. We are the sheep. When Jesus left, he said, tend to my flock, to the leaders. The leaders are the shepherds. John 10, 11 through 13. I didn't say this. God says this. Look up there. Read your own Bibles. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But listen to this. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Do you see the problem? When we hire the pastor, he just moves on to the next bigger and greater. Whoever can pay me the most, that's where I'm going. Whoever's got the biggest gig, that's where I'm going. He's the hired hand. He don't care nothing about the sheep. But when the pastor is the shepherd, when he owns the sheep, when the wolf comes, he stands up and says, not on my clock, not on my watch. You want to get to them, you got to get through me. And it's his job to protect us. But the problem is in America, most pastors are just hired. They don't care nothing about you. They're just hired. They're just making a paycheck as if they worked at some place that didn't matter. They're just hired people. So therefore, the wolf comes. The enemy comes. The cares of this world come. The problems of this world come. And the pastor goes. I ain't sticking my neck out on the line. They're not my sheep. Come on. Listen, pastor got the vision for this church. Pastor started this church. Pastor is the one that did it all with the help of God. And this is his sheep. You are his sheep. He will protect you. I dare somebody to go talk bad about me to my pastor. My old pastor used to say, listen, if somebody's going to do that, I'm going to show them how high I can kick a football. I'm going to wad you up like a football, and I'm going to kick you. That's what pastor does. That's the job of the pastor. His job is to protect us because he sincerely cares about the flock. Are you getting it? There's a purpose for the pastor. And the purpose for the pastor mostly benefits you. There's a blessing on your life because of the pastor. When the pastor does what he's supposed to do, you're blessed. You're protected. You're pushed. You've got a vision for your life. This is the truth today. And I'm closing. I've only got half a page left. This is the truth. You can go to a church. You can amen the pastor. You can volunteer to greet. You can volunteer to play on the praise and worship team. And you can still not submit to the governing authorities that's in the place. You can go there. You can be there as often as you want to for as long as you want to and hold any kind of job title. But that does not make you submit Submitting to the authority is a choice. 
you choose to submit. And if we corporately choose to submit to the authority, then God blesses the house. God comes and lives in the house. So you say, Woody, this is what you ask me. How do I submit to the authorities? I believe it's summed up in three words. Four, actually, because the third one has two words. Respect, obey, and lift up. That's how you submit to the authorities. You don't backbite. You don't try to think of everything that he does that's wrong or everything that you don't like about the church. That's not how you submit. Oh, no, but I'm doing it to make the church better. No, you're not. You're doing it because you ain't happy. It's not backbiting. It's not talking bad about what you see Pastor Steve does or if he does something that you don't like. You don't go tell the whole world about it. No, you respect him enough to not tell the whole world about it. what we most of the time do is we pick up other people's offenses. Do you understand that? We as human beings, most of the time, the people we're mad at, why are you mad at them? Well, they did that to so-and-so. But what did they do to you? Well, but they did. But what did they do to you? We pick up the offense of other people. It's our job to protect pastor. Come on now, you were amening me when I was talking about your privileges that the pastor does. You got to amen me when it's your job to do something. But you got to respect them. You got to show them respect. Notice, and this is just my thing, but I'm going to tell it to you, and if the Lord convicts you of it, he can convict you of it. But, you know, sometimes it just kind of goes all through me when people call him Steve. And I got to release a little tension. You know why? Because he's not Steve to me. He's pastor to me. You're going to call somebody who they are to you. Now listen, let me preface it with this. I understand there's people in this church that have known Pastor Steve for almost his whole life. And you have called him Steve his whole life. I understand that. And I understand that habit may be hard to break. But I'm challenging you today. You think about it. I call him pastor because I want him to be pastor. Do you know most of the time I don't even have to say his name because he is my pastor. Therefore, when you hear me talk about pastor, everybody around me knows who my pastor is. So therefore, I don't even have to say pastor Steve. I say pastor and people know who I'm talking about because that's my pastor. That's what he is to me. That's what I want him to be to me. You got to respect him. You got to obey him. He's going to tell you to do things that you don't like. He's going to tell you to do things that you think might be dumb or stupid or why do we need to do that? But he's the pastor and you got to obey him. The reality is this. If pastor tells you to do something and you don't do it, guess what it is? Come on now. I didn't say it. You said it. But I'm going to repeat it. Sin. When you're serving under authority that God established, I read it to you right out of the Bible, the authority that God has established. We didn't establish it. He didn't establish it. God established the authority. And when you disobey that authority, you disobey God. You've got to obey him. You know, and this is probably the most important one. You've got to lift him up. Do you understand that when he is there, do you understand he preached a sermon called Don't Ring Out? 
And the purpose was, is he said, listen, if you as a leader, if you wrung out, how many people would it affect? Bling, 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 bling. Do you understand something that the enemy understands that if he can get him to fall, you know who it affects? Me, you, 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 you. Therefore, the target is not on you. You get the aftermath. Come on, quit whining about the aftermath. The pastor is the one that's the head, and he's standing there, and the blow comes to him as the pastor. It's our job to lift him up. We win the war when his hands are lifted. How many of you read the Bible? And when his hands get tired, we go lift his hands for him. When he can no longer hold his hands up. Come on, this is a word today. When he can no longer hold his hands up, it is our job to hold his hands up. Oh, no, that's his wife's job. No, listen to me. It is our job to lift him up. He is in the line of fire every single day, and it's our job to lift him up. Are you hearing me? He is in the direct line of fire because it benefits him. For you. And all we do is grumble. All we do is complain about how loud the music is. Or we complain about how the air conditioning doesn't fit our nature. Or we complain about the carpet color. Come on. And he's in the line of fire. And it's our job to lift him up. I believe this. Pastor Steve is going to provide vision for this house. Pastor Steve is going to push you in this house. And most of all, Pastor Steve is going to protect you in this house. But we have to function the way God intends it or it's all done in vain. Do you hear me? We are wasting our time if we don't honor the delegated authority. Now, I know I preached a lot about pastor because that's where my heart is, and that's where I believe that it directly influences this house. But there's other leaders as well. There's other leaders in your life that you have to respect. There's other leaders in your life that their job is the same thing that pastor's job is. But I just think this one directly influences this house. So it's not, I didn't just preach about pastor, even though I preached about pastor. I preached about leaders. God designed a house. God designed the function of the house. And we have to live according to that function if we want God to dwell here. I'm closing with this. How many of you know brother Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom from the Bible. He was the man that when they didn't have anywhere to put the ark... The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. When they didn't have anywhere to put the Ark, he goes, you can store it at my house. And do you know when the presence of God came and dwelt there? It didn't just visit there. It didn't hang out in the morning and leave in the afternoon. It came and it was parked right there. Do you understand that man was blessed beyond measure? He had more money. He had more cattle. He had more time. He had more of everything. His life was blessed. And 
as a matter of fact, do you understand that when they decided to take the Ark of the Covenant somewhere else, he goes, oh, no, wherever that Ark of the Covenant goes, that's where I am going. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. When the presence of God dwells somewhere, listen, the Bible says there is a commanded blessing of God. God points his finger at blessing and says, go there. I want his finger there to be here. But it can only be here when we live this way. His presence will only dwell here. We will only have the commanded blessing of God here when we do these things. When we set up the house correctly. Stand to your feet this morning. I could have someone peck just a little something. Listen, I preached excited. I was funny at times. But I hope you remember the points. That you remember the gist of the message. That there is a commanded blessing of God when we function properly. And when we don't function properly, we're a shack. We are nothing better than a couple of two-by-fours nailed together, and we call it a house. And I hope that whatever area you struggle with, whether it's you don't want him to push you, or you don't want him to discipline you, or you don't want to obey, I hope you get home with you. I hope you see your need. I don't know everybody personally, personally, personally this morning. But I know that probably something of this hit home with you. And my prayer is that we change it. Because the reality is, is that as we bring people in, if we don't teach them this, they will only operate the way that they know. And most Americans, the way that they know is wrong. People need to know about this. Because this is how we're blessed. This is how we have a house. You know, a lot of it depends on Pastor Steve. And we like to point our finger and say it's him. If he doesn't seek God, if he doesn't bring the word, then this house fails. Do you understand that is correct? But do you also understand that if we, as the body, don't do our part. Do you understand he's just sitting there by himself? So the reality this morning is this. And I'm going to be done and I'm going to pray for you and you can go have your donut and a coffee or whatever you want. But the reality is that if we're not careful, we will mold into that shack that is the rest of the place. We know how easy it is to fall into a rut. You didn't try to fall into a rut. You didn't set your life out and say, I want to be in a rut. But we fall into ruts. This church will fall into the same rut that every other church in America has fallen into if we don't do these things. If we don't adhere to the Bible. If we don't set this house up the way that God designed it. 
we will just fall into the same rut that they did. And 10 years down the road, we're just going to be a shack that's got 60 people in it. And they're arguing over whether to make the carpet purple or green. I know we don't have that problem because ain't nobody asked you what color you wanted the carpet. Nobody asked you what color you wanted the walls. Nobody asked you if you like these four lights or those four lights. Nobody asked you if you like that plasma or this plasma. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. How many times do we as a church focus on things that don't matter? It does not matter what color the carpet is. Pastor Steve said it. It does not matter. Paint it purple polka dotted. I was going to try it and see if he liked it. But churches fight over stuff that does not matter. This is the stuff we ought to fight over. This is the stuff that we've got to go to war with. This is the type of stuff that we've got to give our life for. Is this. We're going to be a house, right? We don't want to be a shack. We want to be a house. And we've got to live these things. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the people that are here today, God. I thank you that they didn't throw rocks at me. But God, even though I preached as hard as I could, even though I was as blunt as possible, God, they still amen me. And God, I believe that's for a reason. I believe that is because we were set up as a house of God. We were not set up as a shack, God. We were set up as a house of God. But God, my prayer is that we do not fall into the rut of being a shack. Two years down the road, five years down the road, God, I still want to be the same house. I still want to live here, God. I still want you to dwell here. I still want you to live here and to to do your work here. I still want this body to be blessed. And it can only happen if we live this word out, God. And I pray it's not always easy, God, to submit to the delegated authority. It's not always pleasant. It's not always the most fun thing, God, but I pray that we would do it and we would do it by choice so that we can have a house of God. Not a summer home, not a winter home, but a house, God, where you dwell every day. God, I pray for the people. God, I ask that you would touch them, that you would anoint them, that you would let them see their need for these things. Let them see their need to lift the pastor up. They've got to respect the pastor. They've got to obey the pastor. But a lot of the times we live our week and we go out to our jobs and to our family and to our house, God, and we forget about the pastor. God, I pray that you would show them and teach them to lift up the pastor. To see the need for it, that he's taken the blow. His family is taking the blow, God. those things. God, I ask that you would bless them as they leave this place. God, keep them safe. Protect them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Woody. I appreciate the word. I want you... It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv Remember, you can't live without passion. 